This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. One of the riskiest factors of the coronavirus is how quickly it spreads. Scientists believe that on average, one sick person infects between two and three others. It's caused exponential growth, where a few cases have turned into a few thousand and into a few million in just a matter of weeks. In March, people all over the world quarantined inside their homes to stop that very thing. But a worldwide shutdown has had consequences of its own, a deep recession and millions newly out of work. So scientists are now trying to figure out a middle ground, how to reopen the economy as much as possible without reigniting that exponential growth of the virus. Recently, researchers started focusing on one factor that just might make the difference. Today on the show, super spreading events, why they may hold the key to how the world reopens. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, May 27th. A so-called super-spreading event is when just one or two sick people pass the virus on to dozens or even hundreds of other people. One of the most extreme super-spreader events happened in mid-February in South Korea. South Korea didn't really have a major outbreak until that moment because they have a very, very good system of monitoring, testing, and tracing of the infections. Our colleague Boyan Panchevsky has been writing about these events. So what happened was this lady who was a member of the congregation of this megachurch, she went to service a couple of times while she displayed symptoms because the rules of the church stipulated that even if you are ill with something, you should come to the service anyway. So she went on going there for a few days, even though she had the symptoms, and she's believed to have passed on the infection to over 5,000 other people, which created a major outbreak in the country. 5,000 people is a pretty extreme example of a super spreader. But Boyan says super spreader events can happen in smaller settings too. You know, you have to understand that super spreader events can be also personal, private sort of events such as a funeral ceremony or a wedding or a party. There was an event in the United States where one single person who was also infected went to a funeral and then went to a birthday party. These events were fairly small, but it is believed that he had infected at least 16 people personally and three of these people died. So that's kind of a mini super spreader event. Small events like these make it impossible to calculate exactly how much of the coronavirus has spread this way. But one German scientist Boyan spoke to said he thinks that around the world, most cases came after super-spreading events. And scientists are beginning to think that these events might be throwing off our understanding of how infectious this disease is. The way a lot of people understand the infectiousness of a disease is through something called the r naught. Basically, R stands for the basic reproduction number of the virus. 
every virus has its own sort of assumed reproduction number. This virus is believed to be between two and three. So that means that one person would infect two or three people the most. But the r naught is just an average. If these superspreading events cause much larger outbreaks, it can drive that r naught up with just a few incidents. You know, if you and I are in a room, the average income would be, you know, probably not very high. But then if Bill Gates enters the room with us and has a beer, <laughs> then the average income becomes, you know, in the billions of dollars. So average doesn't really tell us much. If those super spreader events are what's driving that average up, then there should be a simple way to drive it back down. Eliminate those events. Perhaps you can have targeted measures. You don't have to have an absolute lockdown to lock down the whole of society, to tell people to stay at home, to shut down retail, to shut down restaurants and everything. So you can just look what are the most sort of dangerous opportunities for this virus to spread into the wide population and then sort of cut it off right there. To cut off super spreader events, scientists first need to figure out what constitutes one. There's a few factors that they're now looking at. There's the obvious one, which is the number of people that are present. And then there's also less obvious things, like what those people are doing. For instance, how they're talking. Studies have shown that the virus can linger on in droplets for up to 10 minutes or more than 10 minutes even. And in aerosols, it can linger on for three hours. And aerosols get released normally if, if people are shouting or singing. One event that spread those aerosols via singing a choir practice in Washington State, which happened in mid-March. That was already at a time when the pandemic was acknowledged and people were aware of it. But because the people who participated in this choir had a little email exchange, I think, and whether or not they should come to the practice, and because they had established that nobody had the symptoms, everybody was fine, everyone felt healthy, so they thought we'd just go ahead with the choir practice, but we'll keep our distance. So in fact... These guys, they gathered together as always, but they stood away from each other. They weren't sort of physically interacting because they thought they were following the right guidelines that they heard from authorities essentially to keep a distance from each other. And they were singing for a while, you know, some few hours. And then it turns out that the vast majority of them got infected. Out of 61 people at the choir practice, 52 got infected with coronavirus. Two choir members died. There's a similar danger when people are just talking loudly, like at a bar when you're competing with the music, or at events that involve a lot of cheering. You know, sports events, if you go to a baseball game or a soccer game or a hockey game, there's a bunch of people who are shouting at the top of their lungs to support their team, to enjoy themselves. And in Italy, there was a soccer game between the teams of Atlanta and Valencia, which was dubbed the Game Zero because it's believed to have really seeded the spread of the virus in that region. The game took place in the city of Milan, and uh, that area called Lombardy then became one of the worst affected regions on the planet. That soccer game was at an outdoor stadium, so you can guess how much more dangerous indoor spaces are. It would appear that spaces where movement is more restricted and people are closer together for a prolonged period of time, they seem to be working the best in, in, in the sense of becoming a super spreader event. When there's no air circulation, that's the worst case scenario. This can have serious implications for the indoor space where many Americans spend most of their day at work. In fact, we've already seen a super spreading event play out at an office in South Korea. It was a call center 
an open plan, big office where one person got ill and then a bunch of them were infected over the course of a few days. So there is, there is evidence that the open plan office seems to have great potential to function as a super spread event, which is obviously bad news for most workplaces today mm-hmm. because people tend to work in open plan environments. When offices reopen, companies will have to figure out how to keep people apart to stop these kinds of super spreader situations in the workplace. But one thing we already know is harder to control are super spreading people, people who pass the virus on to a lot of others, in some cases because of their occupation. Anyone working frontline with customers could potentially be a super spreading person, as it were. In public transport, uh, bus drivers, shopkeepers, shop assistants, people working in retail, people working in hotels at the reception, bartenders, all of these people uh, are on the front line dealing with people, dealing with customers. They have both the opportunity to get infected and to jeopardize their own health, but also then they have the opportunity, if they get infected and are not aware of it, to spread the virus to very many other persons. One example of a super-spreading person was in a small village in the Austrian Alps. In early March, he was working as a bartender near a popular ski resort, and he was also an asymptomatic carrier of coronavirus. This one bartender, he was speaking loudly, he was shouting, he was singing, he was touching all the glasses, he was making cocktails, he was opening the wine, he was high-fiving people, you know. It was a small, confined environment, and all of that created a super-spreading event. Not only people got sick, but then they went back home, and a bunch of them were from different parts of the world. Some of them were from the United States, many of them were from Sweden, others were from Norway, a lot of them were from Germany, Iceland, France, etc. So basically they seeded little outbreaks in all of these countries because you're talking about thousands of people and, and then they caused a major outbreak in their own country. And all of that originated with one bartender, it is believed. This is the big risk of a super spreading event, the chain reaction that it sets off. Right now, a lot of people who get coronavirus are getting it from someone else who's sick in their home. But one scientist Boyan spoke to thinks that many of those infections might originate with a super-spreading event, like the bartender at the ski resort. So if talking loudly or gathering indoors or even being a bartender are all risks of new outbreaks, then what does it look like to safely reopen? That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. This episode is brought to you by KPMG. The people at KPMG make the difference for their clients. Talented teams leveraging the right technology to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity. KPMG teams together with their clients, working shoulder to shoulder to help grow and transform their enterprise. Are you ready to make the difference together? Go to visit.kpmg.us transformation to learn more. 
Welcome back. Scientists around the world are beginning to think that the key to reopening society is identifying and then putting a stop to superspreader events. I think one thing that, that comes out of this quite clearly is that massive events, leisure events, such as sports events, such as, uh, you know, baseball or soccer games, such as big indoors parties, nightclubs, concerts. I think it has proven that these events have acted as super spreaders. They could be a huge liability. And I think it would be difficult for authorities to reopen them without perhaps exposing the population to a risk of of the epidemic um, becoming reignited. Shutting down large events might be obvious, but there are a lot of other situations that still have potential to be super spreaders. And now governments are looking at how to reopen those places, like with schools. The countries that reopened the schools, such as Germany and Denmark and Austria, they took a risk. They knew there was an abundance of sort of suspicion that schools can turn into super spreading events, but they decided that actually it's, it's bad for society for schools to remain closed for a prolonged period of time. So they went ahead. These governments opened schools for millions of children, but things look pretty different. Everyone had to keep social distance and wear masks. The results have been fine so far. Some of the scientists are saying definitely schools will be a liability. So you have to be careful with reopening the schools. You have to be careful how kids interact with each other and so on. But there's no evidence of that. I mean, it's it's interesting. The countries that emerged from the lockdowns that, you know, they were first to lock down and first to kind of lift the restrictions. None of them are reporting any outbreaks in the schools. So the sort of the empirical evidence seems to be that the schools for now appear to be safer than than people originally thought. In Europe, another area of experimentation has been reopening religious institutions, which has also been a matter of debate here in the U.S. Just last week, President Trump said he wants all houses of worship to reopen. In Germany, where Boyan lives, he's seen how that's gone. Churches reopened as part of sort of lifting the lockdown, but the authorities banned singing from the churches. They banned the chorus, so you can't have choral music anymore. And that was a direct consequence of knowing that actually singing and congregating in a church can act as super spreaders. But people still flout the rules. At one church in Frankfurt, people sang and didn't wear masks. German officials say at least 107 people there were infected with coronavirus. While some countries like Germany try to avoid superspreading events in discrete areas of life, there's actually one European country that tamped down on big events since the start of the pandemic. Sweden. Sweden never had a lockdown, but it did have and it still has a ban on any event gathering more than 50 people. Hmm. And Sweden somehow managed to not only keep the infection under control, but to also reduce the number of, of cases. But Sweden did have a lot of cases and a lot of fatalities still, more so than some other Scandinavian countries that did lock down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They had huge uh, mortality compared to their neighbors, compared to Norway, Finland and Denmark, the Nordic countries. They have huge mortality. That is partly because they allowed for the virus to enter the system of nursing homes. They have uh, very many uh, elderly people living in these closed institutions and, and they are suffering for it now. But even so, I think the virus is not out of control. Sweden saw exponential growth early on, but the number of cases there has plateaued and deaths have been declining. The hospital system there was never really overwhelmed. 
But while exponential growth there appears to have been stopped, it doesn't mean Sweden's gotten rid of the coronavirus entirely. People are still getting sick, and some are still dying. Until there's a vaccine, that's the reality we face. There's no option of an open economy and no virus. The question is, what kind of trade-offs we make in the meantime? What most scientists are hoping for is that, you know, we've seen exponential growth, which is a rapid, explosive growth. We've seen that happen in some countries. But it, it, these scientists who study these events think that if you remove the super-spreading factor, that there won't be a exponential growth. Growth will be linear. So the disease will not disappear. The epidemic will not just go away, but it will be linear. It will, it will grow by a similar number every day and every month, and it will be manageable. That's all for today, Wednesday, May 27th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.